Hey everyone, this is Jeff Epstein and this is uh, People Conversations and today I'm with a new friend, Mark Fury. Uh, I met him at our local Our Revolution meeting in Burlington County, New Jersey and uh, he said some interesting stuff at the meeting and we decided to talk, so here we are. So hi Mark. Yep, pleasure to have you. Thank you for, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Um, so why don't you give a little bit of your history. You, you were in politics a long time ago. I was. Uh, I served the, had the pleasure of serving as mayor of my hometown, which was Plainfield, New Jersey, 20 odd years ago. And as a young person at that time, 35 years old, I probably had all the idealism that goes with a first time uh, office holder. And what I learned the hard way is that uh, the party that I served, the, the Democratic Party, sometimes is hard on newcomers. So I got out as quickly as I got in. And I basically didn't talk about politics again until this election. Uh, when I saw the outcome of the two primaries, I was so concerned that I started out talking to friends and I started posting on Facebook. And I ultimately ended up at, uh, at the Bernie meeting where you and I met. So you, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a 100% Bernie supporter and you did not, you voted for Hillary during the primary. I did. But you, I, what were your feelings about Bernie? Well, my only concern about Bernie during the primary was I didn't think he was going to win. I, I don't have any doubts, having been, for lack of a better word, very good, uh, having been, if I can say, the victim of the Democratic establishment myself, I didn't think he could win. And in that regard, I proved to be correct. Uh, but I in thought, a small part because you didn't vote for him. Maybe in a large part <laughs> for me, that me and many people like me didn't vote for him. Uh, but, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, I, I feel like America's in the same situation now. They have a, a president-elect who had more people come out and vote. Uh, this guy wouldn't be the president-elect right now. So we, we make this mistake repeatedly. Uh, well, let me ask you, did you, you voted for Hillary because you think she was going to win. What did you, what did you want to who, if, if, assuming they both had an equal chance, would you have voted for Bernie? If I, the second thing is, I knew less about Bernie than I did about Hillary. I say to anybody that asked me, when they asked me about the difference between Hillary and Donald, I say, I never thought much of Hillary, but at least I know who her friends are. Whereas I'm not sure Donald has any friends, and his early picks for his cabinet are kind of confirming that. So in that same way, I saw Bernie as a... Um, icon and a beacon and a lightning rod, but I didn't know anything about who his quote friends would be if he were elected, so I didn't I didn't pack my mind for that outcome. And clearly I picked Bernie over Donald eight thousand times in a row. But but I'm not clear about on the answer. So assuming they both had an equal shot and they picked people that were compatible with their platforms would you have given Bernie a better shot? Would, or do you like his platform more than Hillary? Do you like Hillary's platform? Assuming what her actual platform is, you know. She's, her platform is not what she says. Her platform is much more, you know. We, we can go better, better than that. As a human being, I would pick Bernie over Hillary. The choice that I made was strictly based on the political likelihoods. And that's why I sit here with the degree of outrage that I sit here, because maybe I should have looked at it differently. I still don't think that he would have won because I think the the party, as we've proven, as the WikiLeaks and other things have proven, were wired to defeat him. 
they cheated him. There's no doubt about that. Um, so I don't know that he ever had a, a fair chance. But I certainly could have considered uh, him a more meaningful candidate if it had been an even playing field. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, so why did you get back in politics? Why does it interest you now? Why is this situation enough that you're back after 20 plus years? When uh, Donald and Hillary became the respective nominees, it became obvious to me that she was a flawed candidate, but he is a walking disaster in my opinion. And it was that important to me. And my very first post on Facebook was, if you had a choice between uh, Ma Barker or P.T. Barnum to hold your guns and hold your money, who would you choose? Now personally, you might not think much of Ma Barker, but I'd still trust her with my guns and my money before I trust a con man who knows, who knows nothing about guns, and that's that was the way I started. Then you know there was a lot of um, social justice things going on along at the same time throughout the summer. And as an African American in a leadership position, I'm still a criminal defense attorney here in the area. I couldn't be silent about that, and the two kind of melted together. And the more it went on, the more I saw it as a fundamental defense of what my American values are supposed to be about. Uh, we have you know, we, we have differences inside the party, between parties, between races and genders and all that kind of stuff. But there has to be some point where people can articulate their positions in a way that allows people to come together if they are so inclined. And so I thought that was my job. So, are you surprised that Trump won? Am I surprised? I have a friend, a very, very good friend, who was Trump all the way. Right? Picked Trump before the first primary and stuck with him the whole way. And that person kept telling me, you don't understand, there's a hidden Trump vote. And I kept saying, there's no hidden Trump vote. All the Trump voters are quite clear. You know? So, no, I can't say I was surprised. One of the naturally disappointed. Uh, but one of the posts that I made three or four months ago was, I know we have a divided country. I'm just waiting to see where it's a 40, a 45, or 50 percent division. And what I learned is it's a, effectively a 50 percent division. I think I don't. I don't remember exactly what you said, but you said something like, "There's a hidden vote." I don't think it's Trump supporters. I think it's pissed off at the establishment voters that chose Trump because they're so. It was much. I think Hillary lost because of anti-Hillary votes, not because of pro-Trump. That that the I would say maybe five to ten percent of Trump's votes were anti-Hillary. They would not choose Trump a second time or and it, and against and anybody and else. And I would bet that there's a significant amount of well, you're not going to give me Bernie. Then fuck you, and I'm, I'll, I'll vote for Trump anything over you. I want Bernie. That's that's what I think. A lot of the sentiment of the non-genuine, like he seems to be a genuinely wants Trump, and I assume he's not a complete horrible person. I assume he's a reasonable person. So I don't think those that's who won the election for him. I think it's how bad it's a statement on how bad she is, and not just she, the system she represents. I don't disagree with you at all. In fact, again, in the five months of posts and conversations, I don't think I said 
10 words positive about Hillary because it's just too much of a battle. I did a lot of negative against Trump and a lot of, you know, future of America, what are your values, those kind of statements and those kind of arguments and those kind of posts. But she was really, 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 really a hard candidate to advocate for. And her negatives are huge. Do you think this? Do you think we should? It's up to you. Go. I, I think this is the yeah. challenge. Yeah. All right. So we're back. Is this good? Test. All right. So we were just talking about um, Trump. Yes. Are you surprised that he won? Um, uh, you, you sort of answered it, but, uh, what well, let me say it this way. What disturbed me about Trump's candidacy and what disturbed me about his win is what it says about the state of political discourse in the nation as a whole, right? What does Trump's win, uh, teach us? It teaches us, us that first, half the eligible voters didn't vote at all. Okay. It, that's a huge blank spot in the way we look at our culture, our society. There's, there's half the people that are just disengaged, right? Some of them can be pissed off, as you say, about you know, as many of the Bernie people are, as many of the not Hillary people were, you know? Uh, but some of them just don't care anymore. They, they, they feel like it's all fixed and it's all above them, and it's all beyond them, and they can't be involved. Then, of the half that did vote, nearly half voted for Trump, and of them, a significant portion, we believe, literally drank the Kool-Aid. The facts that they use to support their opinions are not facts at all. Trump? Trump. <coughs> you know? And some of the things that comes out of the mouths of some Trump supporters borders on madness. I literally have another friend who is a huge Trump supporter, and let me distinguish between my first friend, who is a lifelong Republican, and bet the primary the same way she bets horses. She handicapped the folks and said, this is the guy who's going to win, and she was right. I have another friend uh, who is just a Trump supporter. But I have trouble convincing this person that the world is not flat. You know, that's the extremity of her conservatism. Uh, so everything that comes out of Fox News or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh is the only thing she and her friends believe. And some of that stuff is just plain nonsense. And so I spent, every time I got in a conversation with that person, half the conversation debunking plainly false things that that crew believes. And I say all that to say, it is extremely difficult to win an argument on reason when the people you're talking to are unfamiliar with reason. Okay, they, they just believe what they believe and you can't talk how, to them. How broadly do you extend this to Trump voters? A lot bigger than I would have before this election, is my point, right? If you'd have told me, Seven months ago, have a tissue, please. Oh, it's right here. If if you told me seven months ago that twenty five or thirty percent of the American population was that way, I would have accepted that. This election result tells me here. This election result tells me that regardless of whether they're just pissed off or not, 
nearly 50% of the people set aside what I deem to be reason and voted for a person who is clearly unqualified, clearly unprepared, two-faced, inconsistent, outright lies, and has fairly dangerous policies if he believes anything that he says. Well, I, I'm curious of the people who genuinely like Trump. Mm -hmm. But I, I must say, I think that that is, uh, I think it's unfair what you're saying. Which? I think it's, I think there is a much bigger element of resentment and lashing out at the system than supporting Trump. And what in the reflection, in the reflection of the Trump vote, I think that there was, a, again, like I said, I think it was much more larger percentage of people saying screw you to our system as opposed to I like Trump. And why do you say that? Why do you, why do you think <clears throat> that? Because my entire life, much of your life, has been being suppressed and ignored and, and minimized and at the expense of the rich getting richer mm -hmm. and everything that Bernie taught us, you know, that and we had a candidate, obviously speaking from my point of view, we had a candidate and millennials point of view, a lot of millennials had a candidate that we were passionate about. They shut him out, not just shut him out, but smeared him and got rid of him. And I think it was the last straw for a lot of people. I mean, it's, it, you can't really say the last straw for, for millennials, but, but it was a lashing out that if you're not going to give us what we want, we'll go down and we would rather go down in flames than let you do what you've been doing, even though you are qualified, you are more experienced, you are experienced, but we don't care. I have two questions. One is what percentage of the Trump vote do you think was frustrated Bernie and other supporters? I, I can only guess, but I think, I think um, my instinct says that it was maybe around 10% of Trump's voters. So, four, four percentage points overall? I think, take five, five away from Trump, Adam to Hillary, if she was a real candidate. If she was someone that genuinely cared and the system cared. And okay. All right. So, I, I think it begins to shape what I'm trying to say. That 10%, while it may have been the margin of victory, doesn't explain the phenomenon that I'm concerned about. I'm concerned with, if, if we say that Trump got 47 points, whatever, 48, call it 50% of the vote, I knew he was going to get 25. I was confident he was going to get 35. What I want to understand is what happened in the minds of the people between 35 and the 5% you're talking about, right? There's 15% of the electorate that I don't understand what's going on in their minds. That's what concerns me. Because the people you're talking about, get them a different candidate and treat them fairly, you get them back. But what do I do with a person who doesn't believe that evolution is a real science? What do I do with a person who doesn't believe that global warming is a real problem? I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I understand, well, at least I understand global warming. I understand. But, but I, I think it is, I guess it's just the way that you're saying it, I think, is, you know, they can't, however you said something, like they can't understand reason or they don't have yes, reason. Yes, that's exactly what I said. 
they're unreasonable. And the, the difference where, between where yeah. I sit yeah. and where somebody else may sit is, I'm coming up on 16 years old, 60 years old, and have done this at least once in my life, and I've had 20 years to observe the result. So I don't have the same time or patience for what is patently false. If a person sits before me and says, I reject the science of global warming, why? I just do. I reject the science of evolution, why? I just do. That is not a reasonable person. That's not somebody you can talk with and come to an understanding. I'm not, I mean, you're, you're choosing not to, you're choosing to give up on them. Definitely not what I'm saying, but I am making an observation but based on life experience that a person who starts from a place that has no relation to the common and shared experience of humanity is very hard to talk to. All right, very hard to talk to is yeah. one thing, yeah. but have no reason is... is that's, that's my way of, of describing very hard to talk to, because if, if somebody is at all reasonable, I can talk to them. We don't have to agree, but if we can agree on what the facts are, then reason will lead us to whatever shared or common ground is possible. Mm -hmm. But if we can't agree on the basic facts, if, I, if the sun comes up tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow morning and somebody says, that's not the sun, that's the moon, nothing I can do for that person. They have to come around to the facts. I can't join them in their incorrect platform. Okay, okay, so, so what do we do? What do we do to survive with a lot of people that have rigid, very contradictory to what we believe is true, what we know is true, what is true. How do we survive with these people? I think... Because, because we have a whole world of, you know, we are now, you know, reason has just been diminished, mm -hmm. right? And it's been now the in charge of the United States about to be is a lot less reasonable of a philosophy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so now, you know, just for argument's sake, just as, just as roughly as possible, we are the minority. Reason is the minority, mm -hmm. right? So I think it would be wise that even if we genuinely feel there is no reason that you know, even someone that hurts you does, you know, even someone that hurts you deserves respect, right? So how do we survive with a larger amount of these, or not larger amount, but these people that now have a much larger voice than they used to? How do we survive with them? How do we get along with them? How do we have four years, at least, of dealing with this, you know, a larger percentage of this kind of person? A couple things occur. One is, is what we know now is that it's not that it's a larger percentage. It's just that they are now in charge of the government. They were, they were always there, and that's what I was disappointed by with this election. What it taught me was that the number of people who can set aside what I deem to be reasonableness uh, is much larger than I had hoped. I, I, I always knew. As an African-American, I knew it had to be between 25 and 40%. I just didn't think it was 50%. Now, you say maybe some of those were disaffected Bernie or other folks who were just sick and fed up. But by your calculation, that's four percentage points. That four percentage points can be negotiated. You know, we can sit down and talk about that. We can, you know, there's, there's a way to get around that. It's the other 
45% of the American population that worries me that. Okay, but, well, they've always been there, as you, as, which is obvious, but they have a much bigger voice because now the President of the United States buys into some of this stuff. Encourages global, some global, of this stuff. Global warming, you know, and is, just, is a hoax, which I think, he, I think a lot of it was that he simply never looked into it. And now all of a sudden he's starting to look into it and he's backtracking a tiny bit on the extremes of what he's been talking about. But, you know, <clears throat> you come from a different point of view. I, you know, I'm Jewish, so I can somewhat relate to this because it has echoes of Nazi Germany. Some unfortunate overtones, yes? He, I don't see Trump as the, the genius as Hitler, and I don't see Trump as the passion that Hitler seemed to have mm. at the negativity that he wanted to do. Mm. He was very confident of what he wanted to do. He wrote his book about it and followed through with that when he was elected. I don't see Trump as someone that is as passionate about that kind of a thing. So that's not what worries me. What worries me is is because he's not passionate, because he doesn't, he's not a genius like like he Hitler was. I believe he was. That that vacuum is going to be filled with all of these other people that do have this very negative things. So you, as an African American, I wonder if you're going to be more, you know, if it's if it's you're more concerned of being affected by all these things that are that are potentially going to happen. Me, as an American, I feel will be affected. As an African American, the only way my African American status uh, plays in is on the daily face-to-face -face interactions with human beings. And I've been negotiating that field, you know, my entire life. The day after the election and the week after the election, when I would go in my normal haunts and see white Anglo-Saxon males, <coughs> they greeted me the same way they did before the election, maybe a little bit more generously. Because it's almost like they were looking at me saying, well, I know you can tell that I voted for Trump, but I'm not a racist. Or I know you think I voted for Trump, but I'm not a racist. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're cool. We, we can still sit down and have a beer, right? So the, the race issue isn't going to get any worse. The civil liberties, social justice, education policies, urban policies, economic policies, that's the stuff that's going to get worse. And I guess my whole point here is that over the last 25 years, the number of people who have turned their minds off to the progressive agenda and therefore were not open to what Bernie was saying or what the Democratic Party was saying or what anybody else was saying, right, has grown. That's the issue that I, I'm troubled by. And right now, those people are being appealed to more by the very dark forces that you just described than they are by the people, quote-unquote, on my side. And I'll go further and I'll say it this way. I agree with you. I don't think Donald Trump has a master plan to wipe Jews or blacks or gays or anybody else out of America. But I think he... Passion he, of any kind, and as I see it. Very possibly. Aside from making money, you know, continue. But unfortunately, he has surrounded himself with at least a few people that who do, may have. That do have that passion. Exactly right. He is allowing the people around exactly him. Exactly right. he, He's only attended two of his security... He uh, doesn't want to be president. He's only, he never he, he to only, be president. He's had... There's been like 10 national security, whatever briefings you call it, briefings, and he's only gone to two, yeah. and Mike Pence has gone to all of them. Yeah. So is does he want to be president, or does he just want the the... 
the benefits and and let you know other people do and that filling that vacuum he's allowing you know billionaire who wants to completely defund public schools to be their education you know yeah yeah so that's that's my issue so again without the benefit of the bully pulpit that is the presidency how does the quote-unquote progressive liberal left educational whatever you want to call it how does that group regain the high ground and broadcast its message to a populace who is no longer equipped to hear what we're saying. They've had 25 years of Fox News and- How do progressives communicate to Trump? Is that what you're saying? To Trump supporters oh. who can't tell the difference between a candidate who wants to be president and a candidate who plays a role of wanting to be president. Keep I'm saying that's that's the problem we have. As I said from the beginning, Donald Trump is the is the P.T. Barnum of his time, right? He is the best salesman of his generation, and he had 14 years to practice how to talk to the American population on television on his show, right? And for that 14 years, he sold himself as the ultimate executive. That was the theme of the show. I never watched it, but I know, well, I know, I know. That was the theme of the show. So he had practice and he had time, right? And now he's taking that show to the White House. I agree with you. He doesn't want to be president. There's, there was a widely reported... Uh, he doesn't want to govern. Correct. He wants to be president. I don't know. He doesn't he wants, want to I, govern. I, I don't know. What he want. I think what he wanted to do is beat Hillary and show Barack Obama something. That's what he seems to be the most likely thing. Mm -hmm. Even during the primaries... They said that he, he approached John Kasich and asked him, would you like to be vice president? I'll let you do everything. So this is not a man who wants to be president. It's a step down in lifestyle for him. What does he get out of it? Except to grind the nose of those folks who he didn't think gave him his proper respect. So that's what we got. What we have is a, 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 an annoyed bully in the White House. Right? And again, for... My, my Bernie supporter friends, my political calculation was, as between Hillary and, and Donald, I know who Hillary's friends are. So even if I didn't like Hillary, I would have picked her over Donald because I don't think he has any friends. And his early picks are confirming that. As between Bernie and Hillary, I didn't know who Bernie's friends are either. But as a moral choice, I could have lived with Bernie. As a moral choice, I cannot live with Donald Trump. See, I, I don't think this friends thing fits with Bernie because <clears throat> he has complete integrity. Yeah, you still have to know somebody to put in each job. No, but I'm saying, I mean, maybe you, maybe you already understand, but I don't care who Hillary's friends are. I don't care who Bernie's friends are. I know that who Hillary chooses is going to her core is, is all right, don't buy chips when you're doing an interview. <laughs> Um, unless, unless you really just want to look at him, right? Right. <laughs> um, Hillary's core is for her donors. That's why she lost. She pretends that she cares about people, but that's her public face. She lies, but she only lies to the public. She lies to the 90%. She tells the truth to her donors. So whoever she surrounds herself with, I may know them, but that's her. That's who she, that her, they fill her, they fulfill that mission of her core. 
And I know that Bernie, I don't know who his friends are, but I trust him to pick people that I don't need to know his friends. I trust him. I trust Hillary to pick people who will not be for my benefit. Same with Trump. I, pick Trump, I trust Trump to pick people that are not going to be to my benefit to a more extreme extent. But Bernie, I don't need to know his friends because I trust him. I mean, I, I have researched his entire life and he has been this way since the beginning. So I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe you didn't know him to that extent at the, during Clearly the primaries, but he is, he has complete integrity. He, what he says he does. And based on that, he is not going to choose people that don't fulfill that vision. So I don't need to know his friends. I trust him. I, uh, there's an old saying that <clears throat> we are who we hang around. Okay. Birds with feather flock together. So whenever you want to make a judgment about anyone, it's good to know something about who their friends are. Um, Bernie presented himself as more of a lone wolf, which I respect. I'm rather a lone wolf myself. Uh, Donald surrounded himself early with people that I found to be unsavory. Hillary, my point is, regardless of what uh, character flaws she may in fact evince, is a huge bureaucracy. Right? We're seeing right now that the his chief executive has to, has to fill 4,000 spots pretty fast. If Hillary had been elected, you could be pretty sure that the 4,000 spots would be filled with people by, that were either in the prior Clinton administration or left over from the Obama administration. So at least... It'd be a very smooth transition. Yeah, for sure. you could predict <clears throat> a lot of what's going on. As much as uh, Bernie lit a fire under a lot of people and showed what is clearly the right way to go for a lot of people, he represented uh, a degree of change that the Democratic establishment was not prepared to embrace. And Donald represents a degree of instability that nobody can predict. And that's what I think you're seeing right now. Why, why are you saying that? I mean, why are you saying that Bernie was a degree of change that the Democratic Party was not ready to embrace? Anything but Hillary was, was the degree of change that they were not ready to embrace. Well, clearly not. Clearly, <clears throat> the, the party, in the end, went along with what was familiar to them. Right? The, at the end, we agree that she got more votes than him in most of the primaries, right? In most of the primaries? Yeah. Not necessarily. I, I mean, we, it, it is, I can't, I cannot say that, I cannot say, I forget exactly how I worded it. I don't think you can say that there was not a lot of questionable things. And I don't think you could say that Hillary totally legitimately won the primaries. And I don't have to disagree with you on either of those points to still make the point that the mass of Democratic voters did not sweep out the establishment and embrace this symbol of change. You know, I don't think you, I don't think either of us can say that with what happened in Nevada and New York and Maine and California. I don't think we can say that. Maybe it would not have been a 20-point win, but 
with as much questionable stuff that happened, and I have documentation from reputable stuff, the Election Justice USA full report, according to them, he should have had, he, he could have had 174 more uh, electors, I, I forget, delegates. delegates in the primaries if there was no questionable activities, if there was no fraud. And if it, had, it is not, it is not certain that she legitimately won this. So, so yes, it is possible that Bernie could have won if they followed their own rules, their own rules. If they followed those rules, I still think that Bernie could have won. Could have, and, could have. I'm not and, saying definitively. And was the 174 enough to get him the nomination? He would have gotten, he would have won. Yes, correct. Significantly so. Not, not, a, not a, uh, not a, a landslide, but he, he, it, that would have put him, I think, 20 to 30, I don't remember the number right now, over, take away from her and add to him. He, there is a significant chance that he could have won. So all that, to me, adds up to, consistent with what I said, even that is not the party embracing change. That's the party embracing the status quo to the detriment of change. The party, what we're saying here, we're from Debbie Wasserman Schultz on down, right? The party cheated Bernie yes. because they wanted to keep the status quo. Of course. Right? That's why waiting five hours in Arizona, that's why 127,000 in Brooklyn, even though we won the rest of the state, he mm -hmm. lost New York City. Um, and those in the uh, CBS graphs, if you know what I'm talking about, <clears throat> that are like all steady and then New York City. It's like, yeah. you know, That's there is serious, serious questions. Again, remember, you're sitting talking to a former mayor who's been the victim of those kind of things from the Democratic Party himself. Right. So you, you're not surprising me with these things. This is this has been my life. But 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 you you seem to suggest a minute ago that Hillary definitely won the primary, and I'm suggest and and I don't think that that is definitive. I think, we'll never know. I think, therefore, uh, just as with Donald Trump right now, you got to take the outcome as you find it. You can, you can say it's a, it's a historical fact that she was the nominee. That's a fact. I don't have to argue about that, right? It's a fact that Donald Trump is the president-elect. I don't have to argue about that. I don't know what's going to happen in Wisconsin and these other recounts, but I bet you what's not going to happen. What's not going to happen is that they're not going to take it back from him. That's not going to happen. That would be right? pretty... That would be pretty rough. <laughs> yes. Then you would have civil war. Not to mention, not to mention that it would put a lot more pressure on what they did during the primaries. She has been hoisted on her own petard, if you want to put it that way. Right? If she, if she cheated Bernie and she got cheated in the general, she no longer has the clean hands to, to complain about it. Right. Right? So no matter how you cut it, <coughs> my point continues to be that half the people... I am willing to bet, didn't understand what Bernie was saying. Because take away your 5% outrage vote, the other 40% that supported Donald Trump were never going to vote for Bernie. Because his views are diametrically opposed from what their standard bearer and all their standard bearers have been about. Bernie could have won had he been the nominee. I agree with that, because then the Democratic rank and file would have teamed up with that four or five percent, and and he would have won fifty five forty five going away, and everybody been happy. He would have won bigger than that. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Nobody disputes that, mm -hmm. right? 
But that having not been the case, and we're stuck here with the facts as we find them, what do we do? I think the only thing that can be done is first, a wedge must be forced between the 15 or 20 percent who are rabid anti-Semites, anti-blacks, xenophobes, you know, that group that Hillary unfortunately referred to, right? But the folks who have the most extreme views on the right got to drive a wedge between them and the folks who just voted for Donald because they didn't trust Hillary and the Dems anymore, right? Those people that are closer to the center have to be appealed to and they have to be won back. And I'm not sure how, how large that group is. When you have well, the, the Democrats appealed to, <clears throat> first of all, they gave up, they gave up by decision on progressives because of uh, Chuck Schumer said, for every progressive that we lose, we'll gain two moderate Republicans, which is what killed them. They were wrong, like dramatically so. And I heard something interesting from Emma Vigeland on TYT Politics, which I highly, highly recommend, that the Democratic Party is no longer the left. The Democratic Party is now the center. The Republican Party is the right. And that the Bernie progressives are, they're the left. And, and they were completely abandoned. They were completely abandoned. She chose Tim Kaine, you know. I'll, give you, I'll tell you the moment that told me that the Democratic establishment did not understand the Bernie vote. In one of the uh, debates, I think it was the town hall style, uh, Donald accused her of abandoning TPP because she was copying him. Him. Yeah. Yeah. You already you're know where I'm going with this. What she said was, oh, no, no, I looked at it and decided it was wrong. What she should have said on national said. television. That's not what she said. She said, as it is currently written, I don't like what I see. Same BS. But, same but, BS. But, but I'm saying but that that makes whatever she wants to do the truth. The way that she worded it is is the lawyerly way of no matter of what she ends up doing, that's, oh, I said the truth. And so this is why I'm, I'm concerned. A smart politician would have said, you're right. I did change my position, but not because of you, Donald. My friend Bernie showed me where this was wrong. That would have been the thing to say. She changed. She made that statement two weeks before the first Democratic primary debate. Which statement? I now don't like what I see in the CPP. My point to you is, and the point I'm trying to get at is, she never gave Bernie the credit that he's due because if he hadn't okay. run to the left of her, she never would have changed her position. And if she said that during the... If she acknowledged that Bernie made her change, then that and gives the man the credit he deserves and maybe everybody on the Bernie wagon isn't so pissed off at you. That 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 is a good point. Yeah. So these, this is... And she couldn't. She didn't even have to change anything. She could have been just as disingenuous as she wanted to. Was always, but just give him a little. Give him the credit that he deserved. All right. The reason we have primaries is because it makes whoever the nominee is, or is supposed to make the nominee, a better candidate. Right. And I take your point that in this primary, Hillary and the Clinton machine and the Democratic establishment hierarchy chose to ignore a groundswell of support for a viable candidate. Much more than ignore, but I, but I do agree. Okay, right? And in a game of popular vote, there's always a price to pay. 
when you ignore what people clearly say they want. So, and it's not the fault. I mean, they say, "Oh, half the people didn't vote." What's to vote for? We had someone that we wanted. We had someone that we wanted, and you completely not only took him away from us, but wouldn't even let us get to the polls. Obama has the audacity. <clears throat> Obama had the audacity of saying, "I think at the Democratic National Convention, I was a delegate." Um, at the Democratic National Convention, Obama said, don't boo, vote. Mm -hmm. And all of us are like, uh, yeah, we tried. We tried to do that. You didn't count it. You wouldn't even let us get to the polls. So we're, we're booing. What's left? There's nothing to vote for now. The candidate we wanted is gone. We tried to get to the polls. You wouldn't let us there. And when we got there, you wouldn't count our votes anyway. Or you, you completely switched it as if we'd never voted that way. So don't boo, vote. We tried. You won't let us. You're not listening to us. So we're, we're, we're back to booing. One of the things that time has done for me is shown me that in any game, there's lots of moments that are not fair. Uh, and at every moment, you have to decide, is this moment so unfair that I leave the field, or do I keep playing? For me, I was aware that they were doing Bernie dirty, but there was still no circumstance under which I was going to vote for the Republican, and there was still no circumstance that I was not going to vote, and there was still no circumstance that I was going to vote for Johnson or Stein. So that left <coughs> voting for Hillary as the only meaningful option for me. I did as well, but I don't blame those who didn't. And I don't, you know, it's so easy for people to say it's their fault. Oh, no, it's, it's Hillary's fault. It's no, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're saying that. But, yeah, but they, are, they are actively trying to blame it on anyone except for them and blame it on, you know, Bernie or Bust throughout the entire campaign was you are the reason that Trump's going to get elected as yeah, opposed well, to <laughs> I suck and you know I don't I don't I to, I don't to, I don't yeah, as opposed to I suck and I don't have any intention of acknowledging that I suck I have no intention of humanizing myself I have no intention of getting help from any people that don't suck I'm not going to give any credit to the people who showed me how not to suck and even more so I'm going to pretend that I care about you Hey, I'm going to pretend that I don't suck. I'm going to pretend and I'm going to have everybody else say how much I care. Yeah. How Obama gives his wonderful speeches and doesn't stand up for North Dakota. Doesn't He wants the TPP. He, he, he is a beautiful speaker. Mm -hmm. He's a beautiful speaker, a pretty face, mm -hmm. and he has not, he has not stood up for the working people. Of course not. The Democratic Party, the prop, at least the Republicans are honest and open that they don't care about working people. The Democratic Party also doesn't care about working people, but they pretend that they do. And every single day, that, that reality of what they actually do and believe and what they try and pretend that they believe, I, I, it gets farther and farther I, I, I apart. Think I think it's even worse than that because I think the Democratic Party doesn't even pretend that they care about the work less anymore. Oh, when was the last time they did something for somebody? But but mainstream media is all about 
mainstream media and the way that Hillary speaks and the way that the Democrats speak is all about the working people and giving people a seat at the table, giving grassroots a seat at the table. See how that worked, yeah. and, and Barack Obama, I think, started off a lot closer to actions meeting his words. And his words are very well spoken and he seems passionate. And But every day, as his actions continue to get more corporate and his words remain what the genuine that they used to be, you know, at what point does that become a lie? At what point does that become, you know, what used to be true for him is now just a blatant lie? One of the sad realities of political life in this country and probably in any country is anybody who gets the level that they're the nominee of a major party in America has already made a lot of compromises. Doesn't have to be that way. I don't know that it doesn't have to be the way. It's been the way it's been my entire life. If Bernie had won... Bernie got 46% of the vote with all of the delegates, with all of the questionable stuff that happened. And, and while Bernie may well be the exception that proves a rule, his candidacy also, again, proves my point. Because in a fair system, he wins, right? Yeah, even even their own rules, if they followed their own rules, which were very much against Bernie, which, again, they still had point. it right. This is my point, right? I'm, I'm, that in our real life, in order to get control of that massive apparatus, you usually have to make some very very unfortunate compromises. Bernie's not a compromising man in that regard, and I, I laud him for it. Mm -hmm. I wish he was 10 years younger. He'd be the next president of the United States, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. I don't know if his age is going to be... <clears> throat> throat> I'd rather have a corpse with a soul than, I, than a younger a, person. A live person, yeah. Than a corporatist young person. I, I, literally, I literally don't know if he's going to want to run in four years. He'll be 76 years old. He's 72 now, right? How old is he? He's 75. Oh, Christ, so even more so. So it's, it's not a likely, you know, scenario. It's not a likely scenario that he runs in four years. Mm -hmm. He'll be 79. Right? So it's just not likely. So the point of this conversation and every conversation that I have and probably most of the conversations you have now is the question that you asked earlier. How do those who still care position themselves, move forward, plan and act so that these small divisions on the Democratic side can be healed so that the chasm between the Democrats and their current adversary can be overcome. I think there's, uh, your point is valid, but I think that there is a chasm between progressives and the Democrats. Here's my... So the, the corporatist yeah, Democratic I'm, I'm, I'm Party. Gonna this, I'm going to put this to you as simply as I can. If that can't be overcome, then Republicans will rule for the next 50 years. So that has to be worked out. Both sides have to come to the table, put their feelings down, get over it, let's move on. And I mean that exactly the way it sounds. As an old man who has been defeated by the very democratic corporate structure that you're talking about, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, we have to get over that. Doesn't mean you have to abandon your values your views, your passions, means you have to fight harder. Right. The points that you're making to me have to be made to the, the assemblymen 
and the congressmen and the, and the city councilmen. And the Absolutely. <clears throat> right? That's exactly the fight. I'm not saying abandon. I'm saying quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. But it has to be done before four years is up. But I, I, don't, I, I have a feeling, and you know, politics is completely new to me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> before Bernie, I voted him. That was it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like was born when mm -hmm. he, you know. But I don't see it as as much compromise. I see it as somewhat aggressive taking over. Get it done. Right. Let's get it done. Right. That's why I came to that meeting. Right. That's what I said in the meeting. Let's get it done. I've been the victim. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a victim again. Mm -hmm. And I sure don't want to stand by and watch my whole country go up in smoke because an incompetent is at the wheel driving a bus full of maniacs. And that's the way I see it. Well, there's there's ten steering wheels all being each handled by a maniac. Yeah, and Trump enough. is sitting back in his throne. Fair enough. Watching them drive. Fair enough. <laughs> my, 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 I guess my bottom line is... <laughs> A lot of folks sitting where you are are still mad at the Democratic Party. I'm mad at my entire country. So I'm I'm gonna heal the rift in between me and the Democrats and the Bernies and the progressives as quick as possible because I think there's a much bigger fight out there. So so what do we do? Well, there used to be a um, a newspaper cartoon called Little Abner. Um, I was a Little Abner in the show years ago. Is that right? I ended up not performing because I had, I got sick and went to the hospital. But for two months, I was a little Abner. They gave me a big muscle shirt there and everything. Go. That's it. There's some good. The first act has great songs. The second That's act it. is. There you go. <laughs> well, there's uh, there's uh, sometimes they should close out the show by saying, "Well, that little Abner is another story." I don't I don't know if that's one we have time to answer here today, but um, I'm definitely going to be in the conversation. All right. Well, I look forward to working with you more, and I thank you for doing this. No problem. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you, and uh, I look forward to getting out there at the next meeting and continuing this conversation. I'll see you at the next meeting. All right.